Amen. All right. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and let's go to the book of Jonah. All right. Jonah this morning is where we'll be. We'll start in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, but we'll be primarily in chapter 2 of this little book of the Bible. But as you find your place there, as you find your place, I want to remind you once again that when it comes to the book of Jonah, uh, many are familiar with the wonderful, true, and exciting story of Jonah and the whale. But understand, uh, this book is, is much more than just a story of a man and a great fish, all right? And many men in here have a big fish story, all right? But nothing quite like this. But it's uh, more than just a story of a man and a big fish uh, this book is not just a story about him. No, there's much more to it. Uh, there's, yes, we'll learn more about Jonah. Uh, we'll learn more about Nineveh. Many of the great things that we find in this little book of, of the Bible. But nothing greater than this. We will learn about the greatness of our God. We will learn about his great mercy and care and kindness. We will learn about his great power and great love. We will learn about his great forgiveness and great compassion he has towards us. We will learn about his great foresight and wisdom and foreknowledge. We will learn about the great second chances that he gives to all those rebels out there, including me. All right. I'm thankful that we serve a great God. And this little book of the Bible highlights the greatness of our great God. So please, when you come to Jonah, just know this, that the book of Jonah is more about Jehovah and his ways than it is about Jonah and the whale, all right? So please know that. But as we come to Jonah chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 17, verse 1, but as we come to this portion of Scripture this morning, so far have we been, as we've been in this book together, we know that Jonah was given a command from the Lord, and that was to do what, church? That was to... Go. Glad you've been listening. It helps me. All right. I appreciate it. Uh, but he's been given a command to go, to go to Nineveh and to preach. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This was God's command to Jonah. And Jonah was to simply obey and to go. But for one reason or another, we know that Jonah disobeyed the Lord's clear command to go. And he rebelled against God's word and against God's will for his life. And in his rebellion, we saw that God began to correct him. In his rebellion, we saw there was some collateral damage. In his rebellion, we saw it brought great confusion. In his rebellion, we saw that it was costly. But we saw as well in his rebellion that there was a choice. And Jonah's choice was either this, these two choices, all right? It was either to repent of his rebellion or remain in his rebellion. And as we saw last Sunday, we took note that Jonah decided to remain in his rebellion. And because of that decision, uh, because of his stubbornness, the Lord began to deal with Jonah more fully. All right? He began to deal with him and do this. We learned last time that God began to chastise this stubborn servant. Now... We know that the Lord, when he chastises us, when he, when he has to correct us, when he chastises us, he always does so in love and for a purpose. Always for a purpose. Because understand, though, we would be done with Jonah at this moment. In Jonah chapter 1, he wouldn't get past that first chapter with me. That would be the only chapter Jonah would have. All right, Be done with him. It's over. 
Though we would be done with Jonah, God was not. God still had a great purpose for his life, and he still wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh and cry against it. God had a purpose for Jonah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God has a purpose for all of our lives. Your life is not meaningless. God has a perfect meaning for you. It has a purpose for your life. And as I think of that, it absolutely amazes me every time. Because listen, I know who I am. I'm just a wicked sinner saved by grace. All right? I know who I am. And yet God still wants to use me. Listen, he wants to use you. He has a purpose for your life. But as we move forward here in the book of Jonah, in the life of Jonah, we move from the chastisement of a stubborn servant to this. And the title of the message this morning is this. We move from the chastisement of a stubborn servant to this, the cry of a stubborn servant. So let's pick up our reading in Jonah chapter 1. And we'll read and start in verse 17, but we'll read down through chapter 2. And don't be too alarmed, there's only 10 verses in chapter 2, all right? Let's start in verse number 17, chapter 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves pressed or passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you. Thank you for your word. And I pray in these moments as we look to it, I pray that you would help us to understand it, apply it to our life. As the psalmist said, open out mine eyes, may behold wondrous things out of thy law. May that be our prayer this morning. Help us to put away all distractions that can fulfill or fill our minds and take away from the importance of the Word of God. Help us to focus in. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing I'd like for us to see from this cry from the stubborn servant is this. Number one, consider this, all right? Number one, consider the timing of his cry. The timing of his cry. Now we looked at this just a little bit last time as we considered the chastisement of, uh, of Jonah, but I want to take a quick look once more at this, at when Jonah called upon the Lord, at when Jonah cried unto God, at when he did this, at when he, listen, when he prayed, when he prayed, because that's what he's doing, he's praying here, when he finally cried out to God, and look when it happened, look at verse 17, chapter 1, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish, how many days and nights? Three. Verse number one, chapter two. Then, 
important word. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou hurtst my voice. Let me ask you, when did Jonah cry unto the Lord? When did he pray? It was after his what? Church starts with an A, ends with affliction. <laughs> after his affliction. That's when he prayed. His affliction, meaning his trouble he was in. His stress and distress he was under. Uh, the adversity he was facing. Listen, it was at that affliction of being in the belly of the whale that, listen, he finally cried. He finally prayed. That belly of hell, as he said, finally got his attention. The stress of being in complete darkness, in complete hot darkness for three days and three nights. That distress of being tossed around like a rag doll. Read verse number two. He's telling you the, his testimony, all right, of how God was dealing with him. But that time for three days and three nights being tossed around like a rag doll in the whale who would, who would swim, no doubt, deeper into the depths of the sea, down, down the mountains, as he said. Uh, the adversity of being digested alive, that it was that adversity, that stress, that affliction that finally got Jonah's attention and he finally looked up. It was this painful affliction that broke the stubborn will of this stubborn servant. Finally, finally, the timing of this, the timing of, you know, many times we too, as I'm thinking of Jonah, we too as believers, we too are like Jonah. Because we will finally cry unto the Lord when we find ourselves afflicted. Or when we find ourselves stressed or de-stressed. Because of trouble, because of agony, because of you fill in the blank. We will finally call upon the Lord. Many cry to God because of their affliction. And yes, sometimes it is from Him. All right? But many call upon the Lord because of their affliction from Him and fail to call upon God because of their affection for Him. That's what happens sometimes. That's what happened in the life of Jonah. And listen, many times it happens in the lives of believers today. But folks, our lives would be much better off if we would be quick to obey the Lord and not have to endure some kind of chastisement or hardness like this because we're just so stinking stubborn, you know. It'd be better off to obey quickly, to call upon the Lord quickly. Better off that way. Instead of having to endure such as Jonah went through. So when did Jonah cry unto the Lord? It was when the affliction came. And just so you know, Jonah didn't have to wait till that happened. <laughs> he did not have to wait until the affliction came to pray. He could have done so while he was in his home Town. He could have done so while he was entering that boat to go to Tarshish to begin with. Or even while he was in the midst of the sea, in that stormy sea, in chapter number one. He could have done it then. He didn't have to go through this even more full affliction. He didn't have to wait to get to that point. But this is what it took for Jonah. This is what it took for Jonah. Affliction such as this to get his attention finally. And I want to encourage you one more time before we move on to the next point. Don't wait Till affliction comes to your life before you call out to God. Before you cry unto the Lord. No, do it now. 
Do it now. Just do it. Just do it now. And don't stiffen, stiffen your neck. Don't, don't, don't harden your heart. No, do it. Do it now. Because listen, God knows how to get the attention of a stubborn servant. He knows. So Jonah finally cried out to the Lord, but it took some uh, serious affliction. It really did. It really did. So take note, number one, of the timing of his cry, and then take note of this. This is where I really want to get, by the way. Take note of this, number two, the tenderness of his cry. Look at verse number two. Chapter two, verse two. Let's just start in verse number one. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Now the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardst my voice. I want you to take note of a couple of phrases in verse 2. The first one is this. In verse 2, the first one is this. And he heard me. Underline that phrase. Circle it, if you will. And then the last phrase is this. And thou heardst my voice. This is amazing to me. As I think of Jonah, this is absolutely amazing to me. And you may say, well, why? Why is this amazing to you, preacher, that God would hear him? Well, remember, Jonah has been a terrible rebel, has he not? He's been on a run from the presence of the Lord. That's one of the first things we find out about him in Jonah chapter 1. But he has no reason to do so. He has no reason to run from God. The Lord is not harsh. The Lord is not unreasonable. The Lord is not unloving. He's not unkind. No, he's very loving. God is very kind. He is very gracious. He is very merciful. God is very forgiving and so much more, right? And even the Bible says in Psalm 145 verse 8, The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. And guess who knew that? Jonah. Jonah knew these facts about God, of his goodness and grace and mercy and kindness. He knew this. Even Jonah would later say in in Jonah chapter 4, we'll get to it soon, but Jonah chapter 4 and verse number 2, when he said and prayed this, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger, of great kindness, repentest thee of, of the evil. And by the way, maybe it be of interest to you to know that this word knew, that when he said, I knew that thou art, as Jonah was praying, this word knew here is more than just a head knowledge of facts on paper, okay? It's not just studying for an exam kind of thing. No, no, no. This is more, denotes more of a personal knowledge. Understand Jonah personally knew these great characteristics of his God. He knew personally of his kindness, personally of the grace, personally of the mercy, personally of the forgiveness. Jonah knew personally of this. Why? Because he himself experienced it all in his life. And since he knew this truth, though, since Jonah knew this about God, then why run? Why flee from the presence of God? He may have given reasons. They would all been wrong. But why do so? Why run from the Lord? Jonah, since you ran, you know this to be true about God, His kindness, goodness, love, and so much more. You know this to be true about the Lord, and you ran, you flat out willingly, knowing what you were doing, rebelled against the Lord. You knew what you were doing. Then Jonah, I'm going to tell you something. You do not deserve to be heard in your prayer. 
You have been forsaking your own mercy. He even said that in verse number, in verse number eight. You have been doing that. You knew God was merciful, but you rejected it. You don't deserve any attention from the Lord, Jonah. Rather, Jonah, you deserve the chastisement you are getting. You deserve that affliction. You deserve that pain. Boy, you are getting what's coming to you, you know. You deserve it. At least that's what we would think in our mind. Anybody else like that, or is that just me this morning? All right, two, three, four, seventeen. Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone, all right? We would do that. We would think that way. Jonah, you deserve what you're getting, man. But in the midst of this affliction, Jonah finally turned his attention and, listen, cried unto the Lord. And this wonderful, gracious thing happened. He said, and he heard me. He heard me. Immediately. This is amazing. This just proves again the great tenderness of our God. Remember, this book's not about Joan and the whale. It's about the greatness of God. Here's another point of it. The tender mercy that God has for all of us. He heard him. He listened. He heard Jonah's cry. Listen, as soon as this rebel of a prophet turned to the Lord, guess what? The Lord was waiting for him the whole time. God was waiting for this prophet. God was waiting for his servant to turn and return to him. God was waiting to hear the voice of Jonah. Uh, the, the Lord was waiting the whole time. Again, this is just a great picture of the tenderness of our great God. And as I think of it, it's really nothing short of amazing because, listen, he don't deserve it. He don't deserve it. We don't deserve any of this t- uh, tenderness and grace and kindness That the Lord shows to us. We don't deserve any of it. We can do nothing, by the way, to earn it or to deserve it. That's why the Bible calls grace a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8 through 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, we can never deserve this wonderful gift that God freely gives Every single one, yes, even to a stubborn prophet such as Jonah in this moment. We don't deserve it. We must definitely, though, do not deserve it, especially when, like in the case of Jonah, have known about grace and known about mercy and known about the tenderness of God and willingly forsake it, willingly reject it and neglect it. Right? Surely then, no, 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 you have crossed the line, pal. It's over. You're done. Off with his head. <laughs> sure, he doesn't deserve it. And at any time, if he ever deserved it, then it, again, it wouldn't be grace. Because he never deserves it. I'm here to tell you this morning that I'm thankful the Lord is still tender and kind and gracious, even when we would think we don't deserve it. He is patiently waiting for us. He is tenderly waiting to hear our voice again. No, we don't deserve it. But he's still waiting. Still waiting. Listen, our God, he just wants us to return to him and be in fellowship with him. He wants, listen, he wants, desires to be in fellowship with us. God wants to meet with you. 
<laughs> More than I think we ever want to meet with God. He wants to meet with us so, so fiercely. He really does. I'm reminded of several instances in Scripture where God just simply wanted to meet with His people, meet with His church, meet with His disciples. I'm reminded in John chapter 21, after the disciples uh, saw Jesus resurrected, not once, twice, but three times, they knew Jesus was alive after that brutal crucifixion that He endured. They knew Jesus was alive, but what did they do? What do we find them doing in John 21 and verse number 3? The Bible says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth, entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. There's nothing wrong with fishing, but after surely they knew what God wanted them to do. They weren't doing it. After they knew that Jesus was alive, if I knew that, I do know that, but I'm talking about putting myself in these shoes at this moment. As much as I love fishing, I enjoy it. I would be hot on the heels of Jesus. Knowing that my Savior, who I thought was dead, is now alive, I would want to be in his presence all, all the time. But we find them going, going a-fishing. But I love the expression that Jesus says, in that same chapter, in verse number 12, Jesus said unto them, unto the ones who had kind of went and did their own thing, he said unto them, come and dine. I find some extra special things in that, in that verse, in that phrase, for me. You see, in this phrase, we can see the heart of Jesus, and that is this, he just wants to be with these guys. You know, the very first thing when he called these guys, what did he call them to do for the first, very first thing for them to do? He called them to be with him. That's the first thing, priority, to be with him. And he just wants to be with these guys. He wants these guys to be with him. And folks, even after all these disciples have done, in how Peter denied the Lord, how Thomas doubted the Lord, now all these other disciples deserted the Lord. And I mean, one, one, one time or another, these guys that we, we, we would say are um, level 50 super Christians, all right, disciples, whatever that is. But uh, these disciples, all right, serving God with their life, we look up to them as, 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 as top-notch believers and Christians. At one point or another, they blew it. They did. They just absolutely blew it. But even after all of that, listen, Jesus still said, hey guys, listen, listen, come and dine. Come spend time with me because I want to spend time with you. I don't know about you, but that helps me. You know why? I've been a Peter before. I've been a Thomas before. These other disciples, I've been like them before one time or another and just flat out blown it. Anybody else blown it before as a believer? Yeah, me too. Just blown it. And yet Jesus still says, come and dine. Jesus just wants to be with us. So no matter what you have done or ever will do, God's love for you and his desire to be with you will never, ever change. Ever. He just wants to be with you and he wants you to be with him. Do you remember the church at, uh, the church at Laodicea? That's not the uh, church that... Churches want to pattern their church after today. At least you shouldn't want to. All right. Uh, what, what do we know about the church of Laodicea? They were lukewarm. Lukewarm. Weren't hot. Weren't cold. Just somewhere in the middle. Luke. Lukewarm. 
And Jesus didn't have uh, very good things to say about them. And he said this in verse 16 and 17 of Revelation chapter number 3. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Look, that lukewarmness makes God sick, okay? Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Um, basically, what Jesus is doing is writing the bio for the uh, church website of Laodicea. And uh, many people, when they, before they visit a church, they will go online. This, 2023, they go online to see what church believes, to see the bio of the church, maybe look at some of the recent uh, sermons that have been archived there on live stream or whatever. Uh, they'll visit the church website today, all right? So if Jesus was writing the bio of the Baptist Church of Laodicea, he just wrote it right there. And by the way, that'd be a terrible bio, all right? You go to look that church up online, you see that bio that they were miserable and wretched and poor and blind and naked. Let me ask you, would you visit that church? Probably not. You'd probably go down to the Church of Pergamos or probably go down to the Church of Smyrna or Church of Philadelphia or some other church, right? Church of Ephesus, but we ain't going to the church of Laodicea. But this is how he described to him. This is what he said. You're, you're, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. But what did he say? What did he say to them in verse 20 of Revelation chapter 3? He said this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I love this verse. Knowing the church of Laodicea, they're lukewarm, they were, they were blind, they were, they were poor, they were miserable, all these things, knowing that. Yet Jesus said, but listen, I'm here and I'm knocking at the door. And if any man hear my voice, I will come into him. I will come to him and he can come to me and guess what we will sup that means supper that word sup there means to have have a, a supper or eat together and we Baptists do this very well but uh, during this time all right of the first century the evening meal would have been considered the uh, family time and uh, the family at this time in the first century they would get together sit together eat together talk together and just simply enjoy one another's presence. And here's the kicker with it all. They didn't get no hurry. They just simply wanted to enjoy one another's presence. And as we say, as we say in our modern vernacular, all right, we say, hey, just walk with the Lord. What that means when you walk with God, that indicates you're not in a hurry. You simply want to spend time with Him. And I believe Jesus was just simply wanting to spend time with his church in Revelation chapter 3. Just be with them as he's knocking at the door and calling out to the, his people because he wants to be in their presence and he wants them to be in his presence. Yet it would seem the church of Laodicea was content to be without him. But listen, Jesus was not content to be without his church. In 2023, there may be many believers and many churches content to go through the motions and content to do their own life without Christ intervening. But listen, God is never content to live and be without his church, ever. Ever. 
Even in this moment in Jonah, he was not content enough to let him go his own way and do his own thing. No, he mercifully and tenderly intervened in his life. Why? He wanted his servant. He wanted Jonah. Even after all things he did and blew, he still wanted him. And even after the church in Laodicea still was, was just blew it, he still wanted them to be with them. Listen, this morning, if he is knocking at your door like he was here in the church of Laodicea, if he is knocking at your door, can I encourage you to do this? Let him in. If he's knocking at your door to get back into your life, let him in. He's not going to force his way in. Let him in. Let him in. If you're running away from God, you may be here physically at church, but mentally and emotionally and everything else, you're checked out. Let him back in. Let him back in because, listen, he's waiting for you. Just as he's waiting for Jonah to turn to him, to cry unto him, to call upon him. He's waiting for you, waiting to hear your voice. He's tenderly waiting. This is a tender moment. It really is. It's a, as, as I try to picture in my mind, Jonah being swallowed by a whale and being digested by the gastric juices of this great fish. And uh, physically, it may not have been so tender and nice, but spiritually, oh man. So tender. As he finally comes to himself, as the prodigal did in Luke, in the book of Luke. He comes to himself, he prays, and calls upon the Lord. And Jonah said, And he heard me. God will hear you. He will. So I know this wonderful truth this morning, a tender, wonderful truth. God is waiting for you. Waiting to hear your voice. Waiting to hear your cry. But the question is simply this, will you come to Him? Will you come to Him? Will you call upon Him? If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Will you call upon Him to save you? Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you do that? Or maybe you are here this morning and you are saved, but you know that you're not walking with God or fellowshipping with God. You're not as right with God as you know you should be. You know that. He's waiting to hear your voice. To cry. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. To call upon him in repentance. And I can give you this promise from the word of God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, turn to the Lord, not from him. But pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what, what, what I'm, I'm stuck in. You, you, don't, you just don't. I don't need to know, nor do I want to know, but God already knows, therefore turn to Him. Turn to Him. He is tenderly waiting to hear your voice. This floors me. Knowing who I am, knowing our sinful nature, He still wants to hear me. He wants to hear you. The God of the universe wants to hear a speck of dust on the pages of history.
talk to him. It's amazing. And it just proves again the great tenderness of our God. Yes, even to stubborn servants like Jonah. Even to stubborn Christians like us. He wants to hear our voice. And he's waiting. So, what are you going to do? He's waiting to hear from you. Will you call?